Let's open our Bibles this morning, Colossians chapter number 4, and we are uh, going to be in a few verses this morning, and like I said, one more week in the book of Colossians after this Sunday. I want to uh, remind you, next Sunday, very special week, um, uh, Pastor Kenny Kuykendall is going to be here with us, and um, he'll have some books and resources. I want to encourage you to be here. He's written uh, many good books and, and just a, a big help, some devotionals, um, but plan on being here. He's a pastor's pastor, a great preacher, and I want to encourage you, maybe if you know someone that doesn't know the Lord, invite them out um, next Sunday. Colossians chapter number 4, and let's begin. Begin reading in verse number 10 this morning in our text this morning, verses 10 through 15. Aristocharis, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, or Mark's sister's son Barnabas, touching whom ye have received commandments, if ye come unto you, receive him. Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epiphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear um, him record that he greet you with zeal, and them that are in Laodicea and uh, Heropopolis, Luke the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Let's pray this morning, we'll dive into this. Father, we love you. Lord, we do thank you for your word, and God, even a, a text like this with just some names, Lord, there's so much here for us to learn this morning. And God, I pray that you would teach us through your word, Lord, we don't come this morning to hear from a man, Father, we, we need to hear from you, and Lord, I pray that your word would teach us, Lord, I pray that you would grow each one of us this morning, Lord, I, uh, I know that we never come together, God, where it's by accident, but it's your will for us to be here this morning, and you have something for us. Lord, I pray that you would be high and lifted up. God, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, help each one of us to, to maybe examine ourselves, make changes today. Lord, may we leave here differently. Lord, I thank you for the wonderful music already this morning. Lord, I thank you for the kids. Lord, I thank you that you do know our name. Lord, I thank you that as Lindsay just sang, Lord, your, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And we thank you for that. God, bless everything that's said and done in this place this morning. And we'll be careful to praise you for it. In your name we pray. Amen. We come to a close in Colossians, just in way of review, and you should have this down by now about this book. And that's part of the purpose in the deliberate way that we teach here is so that we will become somewhat biblically literate and understand our Bibles. And it's important to know why books were written. It's important to know who wrote the books. It's important to even understand in a text like this, you may have read through this passage before in your Bible reading and you skim through it. There's a lot in here. These names are in there for a reason. Every word in your Bible is there for a purpose. It's there for a reason. And that is the case here. And I think sometimes what we can do is we can rush through passages. Like this is another passage that I'm not just going to pick to preach, um, but I believe God has picked it for us to preach. And we can learn from it this morning. Uh, as we saw in, in this, this book that Paul, this letter that Paul has been writing, remember he's sitting in a prison cell in Rome. He, he's never been to Colossae before. Epaphras, who is mentioned here in the text, had been saved um, in Paul's ministry and had gone back to his hometown and they had planted and started this church, the church at Colossae. It's a young church. It's a church that is growing. It's a church that is maturing. Um, but Paul, sitting in prison, never been there before, is concerned 
concerned for them because uh, he believes that he knows that after a while there's some things that can infiltrate the church that could be a problem. Laodicea was nine miles away and had already been affected by heresy and other things. So Paul starts out in chapters 1 and 2, if you remember, warning the church and reminding the church about some major doctrines in Scripture. The preeminence of Christ, that Christ is, is deity, that he is the first, he always has been and always will be. He warns them and, and reminds them about uh, the sufficiency of Jesus Christ, that he is enough. And one of the issues that is still an issue today is the Judaizers and the legalists had begun to add extra biblical things to the religion or to the church and said, hey, if you don't do these things, then you're not spiritual. And if you don't follow these rules, and Paul is warning them about, he's warning them about that. He's saying, listen, these are some things that we need to be aware of. These are some things I want to warn you about. And, and then in chapters 3 and 4, he says, take this theology, take this doctrine. It's not just enough to know theology. It's not just enough to know doctrine. If your theology and your doctrine doesn't change your life and move, move you to action, what are we even doing? So he says, here, here's what you believe, and, and here's what you should do with what you believe. And we've seen over the last probably six or eight weeks, he shifts from doctrine and he shifts from theology to how the doctrine and how the theology affects your everyday living. And he began to talk about what the Christ-centered life looked like. He, he talked about, as we've seen, what a Christ-centered family looks like. And remember, he gave those... those um, admonition to husbands and the wives and the children. Um, he talked about the Christ-centered workplace. Like this is, hey, now that you're saved, when you're out in the world and when you're working, this is what a Christian's work ethic looks like. This is what your life should look like outside of the church. Okay? And then uh, we, we've seen a lot of that. Last week, if you were with us, an awesome, an awesome uh, idea of two people that he mentioned. If you were with us, there was two men that he mentions that were delivering this letter to Colossae. Tychicus and Onesimus. Tychicus was that good uh, fellow servant, the word says, that had served with Paul and had traveled with Paul. He was a good guy. He didn't have a bad past. He was that Christian school kid who had been close to the Lord, and we saw how God could use him. But then he mentions another person we saw, if you were with us last week, named Onesimus. And Onesimus wasn't the same as Tychicus. Onesimus was a person who had worked for a man named Philemon, and he was a terrible employee, and he had quit on him, and he was a loser. Remember? But then he repents and he gets saved by the grace of God. And Paul says this. He's basically teaching us a lesson in that verse. He's saying it doesn't matter if you're a Tychicus or you're an Onesimus. God can use you. Man, uh, Onesimus was a man with a past and God used him. Paul was a terrorist who got saved by the grace of God and God used him. The point is it's not about us. It's about God. So now that's where we've come to, to new ground today. He begins to mention a few more of his friends, and a few more of his fellow servants. And there's some things we can learn from this this morning. Man, he's going to introduce us to more of his team. Look at verse number 10, if you have your Bibles this morning. Verse number 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, or Mark, sister's son Barnabas, touching whom ye receive commandments, if you come unto you, receive him. So here, here he mentions two more people. He mentions two, two more people. Now, Aristarchus here and Mark. So this first dude that he mentions, he's a Macedonian from Thessalonica. He was a travel companion. He was with Paul in Ephesus. If you remember when we studied the book of Acts, Paul got ran out of Ephesus by an angry mob that started rioting, and they ran him out of town. 
uh, this dude was with him during that time. He was also with him in Acts chapter number 17 when they set sail and, man, there was major storms. Here's the point about this guy. This guy stuck with Paul through some crazy stuff. Man, they had been run out of towns together. They had been shipwrecked together. He had been here in the text. It says he was a fellow prisoner. They had been through some things together. And can I just say this? Aren't you thankful for some friends that have walked with you through some things? I mean, they're important people in our lives. That's what this was for Paul. Verse number 11 even says he was a comfort unto Paul. So here's the first guy, um, Aristarchus or Aristarchus. I hate these names, but go on your Bible app and you'll know how to pronounce it. Somebody help me this morning. He was a burden bearer of Paul. He was a good friend. And then you have a man named Mark here. Now, we would have known him as John Mark. So you had a man here that he mentions that had been with him through a ton, ton of stuff. So here you have a, another man named Bar Mark, and he was, the, he was the cousin of the encourager Barnabas. And if you remember, these two, Barnabas and John Mark, started out with Paul on, their first, on his first uh, missionary journey. Y'all remember that back in Acts? Man, they're the ones who launched out with him. But somewhere along the way, they had a disagreement. Y'all remember? And John Mark took off. They left. It says they departed. But isn't it interesting that here, after the fact, after they had departed, somewhere along the way, some reconciliation had taken place. Man, some forgiveness had been given. And we find them now, once again, here being mentioned together, back ministering together. They were in those, that, that group that was listed as Paul's friends. Now look at verse number 11, the next one. So we have the, 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 these three guys. Look at verse number 11. You got your Bibles open? Verse number 11. And how would you like to have this name? Jesus. Justice. The only thing we know about this guy is that's what his name was. We don't know anything else about him in Scripture, but his name was Jesus or, or Justice, okay? He goes on to say this, if you, if, you notice, if, if you notice what it says here, these three specifically, it says this, were the only Jewish fellow servants or co-laborers that Paul had. So he says, there's three only that were Jews that served with me, and it's these three friends. Look, at, look here, he points out a few things in verse number 11. It says, who are of the circumcision? So these were Jewish Christians. These only are my fellow workers under the kingdom of God. They were the only Jewish co-laborers he had. And that's interesting because, man, we, we know that the Judaizers, many of them hated Paul, but he still had some converts. They had the same cause. They were headed the same direction. They were ministry-minded. They were living for something bigger than themselves. And then look at, uh, look at it, what it says, which have been a what? A comforter unto me. So he says they've been a comfort or a help. So we see these three. Now look at verse number 12. Now keep your Bibles open and stay with me this morning. I feel like we need to take a coffee break. Look at verse number 12. There's the next man that's mentioned. Epaphras. Look at it. Verse number 12. Epaphras, notice these words, who is one of you? He's part of the church here. He is the one who God used to start this church, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always, laboring, look at this, fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. So he says this about Epaphras. He is one of you. He's a servant of Christ. By the way, uh, if you were with us last week, we talked about the eight different words that were maybe two weeks ago that were used as servant and how uh, this is the, and this word here is the word doulos. It's the only other time in scripture where Paul refers to someone else as a slave or a bond servant 
of Jesus Christ. So he says Epaphras is a slave or a bondservant of Jesus Christ. And then look what it says. Always laboring fervently for you in your prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. So the idea here is this. Epaphras is one who has been praying for you fervently. The idea in the words here really mean this. He was literally agonizing over you that God would use you, that God would bless you, that God would work in your life. It, communicating this. Epaphras, your pastor, he cared for you. Verse number 13, it says this. For I bear him record, look at this, that he had great zeal for you. Man, he not only prayed, but he cared about the work of the Lord. And then verse number 14, he mentions one more person here. And look who it is. It's Luke. And it look, notice the wording that he says here. Luke the what? The beloved physician. Now many believe that Luke was probably Paul's doctor. Of course, we understand that Luke, the writer of Luke. Luke, the writer most likely of Acts. So he mentions him and he calls him a beloved physician. He doesn't say anything else about him. And then he mentions one other guy here. He mentions a guy named Demas. And he doesn't say anything about Demas. And if you know the story of Demas, Demas was one that uh, had served with Paul. And then in 2 Timothy, Paul talks about how he deserted him. At one time he served, at another time he deserted. So here's the point with him. Not everybody, and I've learned this as a pastor, and this is what Paul's kind of teaches here. Not everybody that starts out with you, not everybody that launches with you is going to go into orbit with you. Okay? And what's happening here is Paul is teaching us through this without us even knowing it, what Christ-like relationships... And what Christ-like friendships look like. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. What does it look like to have Christ-centered relationships? Now, we've seen already from this book, we've seen, man, Christ-centered workplace and a Christ-centered family and a Christ-centered witness and a Christ-centered life. But we're going to see this morning, what does it look like to have Christ-centered relationships? Now, all of life is built on relationships. And we have relationships with our spouses, relationships with our kids, relationships with our neighbors, relationships with our coworkers, relationships with our friends. What does it look like to have Christ-like and Christ-centered relationships? What are Christ-centered relationships? Maybe ask it this way. What are Christ-centered friendships? I want to just give you three things this morning that I believe will help us from the text this morning, when it comes to relationships, because here's the deal. If your relationships stink, your life is going to stink. The quality of your relationships determines the quality of your life. Someone that's always got problems in their relationships, man, is not going to have peace in their life. So I want you to think about this. Do you struggle all the time with your relationships, first of all, in your household? Do you struggle all the time with your relationships at work? Do you struggle with your relationships in church? Do you struggle with relationships in your family? And here's what can happen if we're not careful, as we're going to see in a minute. If you, and I'm just, I'm going to be as kind as I can about this morning. If you're struggling at home with all your relationships, and you're struggling at work with all your relationships, and you're struggling at school with all your relationships, and you're struggling at church with all your relationships, and it's everybody else has a whole lot of problems, I just got some bad news for you. Everybody else ain't the problem. And we're going to look at that through the scriptures this morning. Man, how can I have Christ-centered relationships? The first thing I want you to notice this morning is this, and this is important for us to understand. We are not meant to live alone, but to live in community. Having relationships is part of God's plan since the beginning. Relationships and friendships, y'all listen to me, are gifts from heaven 
on this earth. The people God has placed in your life, He has given to you. From the beginning, in Genesis chapter number 2, God said this about Adam. He said, and the Lord God said, it is not good that a man should be what? Alone. So what did he do? He created a help me for him. He gave him a friend. He gave him a, a companion. He gave him a spouse. God made Eve for Adam. Paul is very clear here in this text that he had some close friends. He had some people that were close to him. These men that he surrounded himself. Jesus himself had 12 close friends friends that he spent the most time with. And people say, you shouldn't play favorites. Well, Jesus did. He had 12. Seriously. And we, we think in those terms sometimes. No, he had 12 that he spent most of his time with. And even he couldn't keep all his friends. Judas. Paul couldn't keep all his. Demas. Man, there's some lessons to be learned. But the point is this. Jesus wasn't a loner. He had 12 close friends. Paul wasn't a loner. Man, he had people around him because it was God's plan. And let me say this. You're not going to be friends with everyone, but you should be friends with someone. You can't be friends with everyone, but you should be friends with someone. Life is relationships. The quality of your relationships will determine the quality of your life. We are not meant to be alone. Matter of fact, God's plan for believers, guess what our community, what his plan is? It's the church. Save people go to church and I hear people say I can have church at home no you can't not if you're going to have biblical church it's a called out assembly that comes together and worships people say well the Bible says we're two or more are gathered that's talking about church discipline it's not talking about this at home it's talking about church discipline in that passage. Listen, God's plan for the Christian in the age that we live in is for us to come together in community. And can I just say this? We all aren't necessarily to be best friends together, but every person in here, we need each other. Everybody adds to the body of Christ in some way. Listen, we're not all going to know each other on the same level. We're not even going to have everything in common. But what unites the church isn't the commonality we have outside of here. It's the commonality we have in the gospel. I have people say, well, I just, I'm not into what they're into. If you're a believer, you have something in common. Listen, we're not all going to have the same race. Specifically in this passage, he, he's got Jews and he's got Gentiles. He said, listen, that doesn't matter. Relationships are about unity within the gospel when it comes to church. You know, we're not all going to have the same hobbies and interests. We're not all. I mean, there's people that like to go watch birds. If that's you, God bless you. That's awesome. My wife loves to watch birds. Like she's a bird watcher. I want to shoot birds. She wants to watch birds. You know, we're not all going to have the same interest. I mean, some people, if it's 70 degrees and sunny outside, they're still going to sit in their basement and binge on Netflix. That's their thing. I can't process that. Like, if it's 70 and sunny outside, we, guess where we're going to be? Even if it's sitting in a rocking chair on the porch, we're going to be outside, okay? But we, we're all made differently, right? We all have things that we like. We all have different hobbies. We all have different interests. Within this room, we could go around the room. We all have different things that we're into. We have different backgrounds. Man, different financial status and demographics. Man, we, we, we've heard terms like this. We're from different sides of the tracks. Man, we've grown up differently. We have different careers. Listen, and these, these little things can bring us together when we find commonality with, with somebody. But can I just say this? When we come in here, the main commonality that we have isn't hunting and it isn't golf and it isn't fishing and it isn't Netflix binging. 
Listen, we all have something common this morning if we know Jesus. And you know what it is? We are on a slick road to hell. But God forgave us and he loves us. Doesn't mean we have to be best friends with every single person. But it does mean when we come together to worship, we are to be in unity. What unites us in here is the gospel. And you know we're all different. We all have different backgrounds. Think of Paul's friends. Tychicus. He was a good dude. Christian school kid. Onesimus. Former slave. Aristocrus. Travel companion. Mark, man, he was back and forth a little. Luke was a doctor. Here's the point. Diverse people with different backgrounds, different personalities, different nationalities, but one thing in common, it's the gospel. The same mission, the gospel. Unify around that. Now, some characteristics I notice about his friends, and I want you to think about these, about what kind of friend you are, okay? One of the things that he says about these guys is they built him up. They edified him. Man, they carried his burdens. Man, there were people that didn't add to his burden. And then how many of you figured out there's some people that come in your life that may add to your burden? But then there's other people, man, they may help you come alongside you and carry that burden. Man, they helped each other up. In our text here, they prayed for each other. Man, they had unity with each other. And here's a big one. They had forgiveness. John Mark had departed, and what did Paul do? He received him back. Onesimus had departed, and what did Paul tell Philemon he should do? Receive him back. Here's the thing. You can't be that for everybody, and I get that, because trust me, I've tried and I've learned I can't, but I can be that for somebody. I can't help everybody on the personal level, and you can't either, but you know what you can do? You can help somebody. And if God's given you relationship, and he's given you family, and he's given you friends, man, build them up. Man, edify them. Man, help them. Man, help carry their burdens. Pray for them. Man, forgive them. If God's given you the gift of friendship with someone, it's the greatest gift, one of the greatest gifts on this side of heaven that we can have. Man, I'm so thankful for the friends that God's allowed me to have. And you guys have got to meet many of them. They've stood behind this pulpit. And he's blessed me with some great friends. And that's something not to take lightly. That's something to tr- take special and something, man, to cherish and to love. You can't be it for everybody, but you can be it for somebody. Let me just give you a verse out of Proverbs 18.24. says this, a man that hath friends, guess what he must do? He must show himself friendly. Every once in a while, I have somebody come to me, and we'll move on from this and say, Jake, I just don't feel like I'm connecting with anybody. I don't feel like I have any friends at church. So I'll kind of watch. And you know what I've noticed? When they come into church, they come in late. They sit in the same spot. When it's time to shake hands, they don't shake anybody's hands. They talk to the same four people that they've known for the last 20 years. But nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Think I'll eat some words. Here's the thing. People are struggling all over the place. If you go try to be a blessing to somebody, eventually God's going to give you that person in your life that's going to fulfill that void that he's going to. Just telling you. Been doing this almost 20 years and two years from now. And the same thing. I've watched it for 20 years. People, I just don't have any friends. A man that has friends must show himself friendly. And by the way, you know people that say they have a lot, like bunches of friends. Like I have 5,000. I can't accept no more friends on Facebook. Those people aren't my friends. Most of them, you know what they are? They're nosy gossips that want to know what's going on in my life. Just being honest with you. Yours are the same way. If you have a handful of good friends, that's a gift from God. And you may sometimes, I hear people, well, they're just, they're just going to have clicks. Listen, we had 380 people here last week. We can't all be friends that, on the same level. Is everybody tracking me here? There's going to be people that connect better. Find your people. 
Hang out with them. Love them. Invest in them. Pray for them. You don't have to be friends with everybody and best friends, but you can be for somebody. Man, find that one sometimes. I like hanging out sometimes. I love, I love when there's snobby people. I love hanging out with those ones that the snobby people don't like, and I do it on purpose a lot of times. Being honest with you. I like, I like the preachers that, I, I don't like hanging out with the big shot preachers that act like they don't. Is everybody tracking me on that? I like being around the ones that are a little bit of rebel and people are like, man, I'm not sure about that guy. You see, sometimes if we're not careful in the adult world, we'll start acting like we're in junior high. We got to be careful about that. Man, and here, here's the second point. We're going to go on to this. It's going to get harder from here. I'm just going to be straight up honest with you this morning about this issue because it's one that plagues the church. Not ours, but thank God, but a lot of them, and a lot of people. The second one, throw it up there, for you guys. Christ-centered relationships are healthy. They ain't toxic. You don't have to be friends with everybody. And this is one of the hard parts I've had to learn as a pastor because my heart breaks Anytime I lose a friend. Like, I'm a people pleaser, man. I want people to like me. I want people to love me. I found out if I'm going to be a pastor, that most of the time it's going to be opposite of that. Just being honest with you. It's just the way it is. And there's going to be people that come into your life, like they did Jesus's and like they did Paul's, that are toxic people. Can I just say this this morning? Surround yourself with the right people because, listen, I'm just telling you, your relationships are going to determine, listen, the quality of your life. Surround yourself with the right people. How many of y'all figured this out? Misery loves company. People that are miserable, you know what? They want everybody else to be miserable. They hate it when you're happy. Some of you have family members that don't like it that you're happy. Forget them. Don't let them drag you down. Yes, love them, and yes, pray for them, but don't let them live rent-free in your headspace. One of the hardest lessons that I had to learn as a pastor a few years ago is this. I had people that loved our church, loved me, wanted to move forward with Christ, and I would lay awake in, in my bed at night letting people haunt me that wanted nothing to do with the Lord, wanted nothing to do. Is everybody tracking me here? And rather than focusing on those that were headed the same direction, you know what I let it do? I let those that weren't eat me up, and I would lay awake at night, and it would kill me. Be gracious and be loving, but surround yourself with good people some red flags that you're in a toxic friendship or relationship let me just give this to you You know what you think through these person is always making you feel bad about yourself can i say it's a person that's always tearing you down it's probably not a healthy relationship here's another one you ever met somebody has to one-up everything you know what i'm talking about like you could kill a deer but they always got a bigger one you can catch a fish they've always caught more you could do something. Is everybody tracking me? Someone that's always got to put you down to put themselves up. It's probably not a healthy relationship. Let me give you a couple more. Man, and this one, if you could etch this in your mind this morning. They are always, if somebody's always gossiping to you about other people. And I'm, I'm, let me just say this, and y'all listen to me and Christian Love this morning. If they will talk to you about others, they will talk to others about you. I'm just telling you. Somebody that tells you everything they know about somebody else, y'all look at me. They're telling somebody else everything they know about you. And you say, not my friend. You're lying to yourself. Because they are. I've had them do it about you to me. And you know what? Can I just say this? 
when somebody comes to me talking about, that's my brother in Christ, and he may be jacked up, but so am I. Somebody help me this morning. If they're gossiping to you, that's toxic, because they're gossiping to someone else about you. Here's another one. They want people to extend them grace, but they don't want to extend grace. They want grace, but they don't want to give it to someone else. Here's another one. They are not, this is a hard one, they are not self-aware. They say things like this, <laughs> I hate drama when they actually love it and everybody but them sees it. Everyone else is always the problem. How about this one? They must, they're part of the, they mu- that must be nice crowd. They see everybody else's blessing, oh, that must be nice. It's toxic. Jealous of other success because they won't put the work in. How about this one? People who give you ultimatums. You ever had somebody give you an ultimatum? When people give me ultimatums, I can just tell you, don't give me one because this is what's going to happen. You say, I'm going to take my ball and I'm going to go home and we can't talk this through like adults. Take it and go. Because as adults and as believers, guess what we should be able to do? We should be able to sit around the table with disagreements and discuss things. Talk it through. Be friends. Not everybody likes us because it takes a good Christian sometimes to do that. It's a whole lot easier to, to be a big baby and say it's my way or the highway. You know what great relationships are? Men, there are people that can step back and listen for a minute and say, hey, you know what, let me think about this. Maybe you're right. That's hard sometimes, isn't it? Man, people that give you ultimatums. Let me give you a couple others if you're still with me this morning. We don't like this as church people. You'd rather me preach on gay marriage this morning, but this will help us. <laughs> I know. I didn't like it either. How about this one? They're always taking and they're never giving. They want to be served, but they never serve. They're angry. Bible Proverbs says just make no friendship with an angry man. They're always complaining. People that are half, think about this, people that are half glass empty instead of half full. Always point out the negative. Here's the thing. There's some people that you need to cut out of your life. There are people that don't need to be on your inner circle. For me, one of the things that I've had to decide in my life, because for my mental state, is people that are always negative, I just can't spend time with them. Because they'll pull me down. People that gossip about other brothers and sisters, I can't hang out with them. Because that's my brother you're talking about. That's my sister. People that are lazy, typically we're going to butt heads. People that are Pharisees, man, I, I've got to cut them out of my life. Surround yourself with people. And I'm going to show you some scripture here because some of you are, oh, you're just me. No, we've got one life to live. Time is precious. We've got to redeem it. We've got to live it for the Lord. Surround yourself with people who make you better, not bitter. Who add to your life not just to theirs. Time is valuable. Life is short. Live it with those who do not tolerate you and your family, but celebrate you. Listen, and you celebrate them. You don't just tolerate them. Proverbs twenty two twenty four says this, make no friendship with an angry man. Well, why? And with a furious man thou shalt not go. Why? Lest thou learn his ways, and it becomes a snare to thy soul. Who you hang around the most eventually is who you're going to be like. Hang with people with a good spirit who encourage you who lift you up. By the way, people that are always contentious, and I know we don't like this because Christians like being contentious. Only by pride cometh contention. But with the well-advised, there is wisdom. Proverbs 13.10 says this, He that walketh with wise men, guess what will happen? He'll be wise. But if you hang out with fools all the time, guess what you're going to be? A fool. Relationships matter. Who we spend time with matters. Man, so think about it this morning. I know this is hard stuff, man. Am I ta- maybe, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I don't have no problems with this. 
I'm talking to you. Let's think about this one. Man, am I, am I relationship time? Healthy friendships, listen, and let me just say this, this is awesome. Healthy friendships push you to be better. They challenge you, they edify you, they comfort you, and you cheer you on. And honestly, I, I, know, I know a lot of people, but I have very few friends that are true friends. Many of my friends as a pastor, they're transactional relationships. As long as I provide the service that somebody wants, they're going to be my friend. I've had to learn that the hard way, and it hurts and it stinks, but I'm okay with that. But I'm thankful that God has given me within my inner circle, man, some people that, you know what, if tomorrow I, I was strung out on drugs and I had to leave the ministry, some people that would run along my side and pray for me and love me and help me be reconciled. That's the kind of friend you want in your life. Not the one, does everybody see what I'm saying there? That's what a true friend looks like. That's what, it's not transactional like that. Hear me, give me a Rise above negative people. Both Paul and Jesus had a small circle of friends and even they lost some. Let me just say this, let the Judases be Judases. Let the Demases be Demases. But listen, if you have a good friend that God gave you, man, be a good friend to them. God has placed some good people in your life. Can I just say this? Cherish them. Love them. Man, comfort them. Pray for them. Can I just ask you, do you pray for your friends? What a question. Do you actually lift up your closest friend's name to the Lord? Now, if you're married, like Sarah, as my, my wife, my spouse, my wife, that should be my best friend. Your spouse should be your best friend. Can I just ask you this this morning? Do you even pray for them? Maybe the reason, you're, maybe if you're sitting here right now and you say, Jake, I have no friends. Maybe the reason you don't is because maybe you haven't been a good steward of the one or two that God has given you. Pray for your spouse. Pray for each other. Let me give you, we've we got to move on this morning for sake of time, but think about this. God has placed some people in your life, and in just a second, Matt, help me out. Hold on one second. Think about this. If you hang out with pigs all the time, guess what you're going to smell like? If you're walking around with pigs, you're going to end up like them. We've got to be careful. Show toxic people grace, but do not give them too much time. Do not allow them to influence you. Do not allow them to pull you down because they will. Ethan, come here. Can you help me out real fast? Come here. Ethan's a big guy. He works out. Stand up on that chair. Stand up there. It's okay. Ethan's a big guy right here. He's probably stronger than me. At least he thinks he is. Somebody help me this morning. <laughs> now, and this is a dumb illustration. But like if Ethan, uh, try to pull me up there. If I'm hanging out with him, he's a strong guy. Look, you see what I'm saying? It's a whole lot easier. Y'all listen to me. It's a whole lot easier for me to pull Ethan down than it is for, me, for him to pull me up. And I'm just telling you, because I've watched it over my life, and I've seen it in my own life, it's a whole lot easier for people to pull us down and hold us back than it is for us to pull them up. Until God gets a hold of their heart and they repent, I'm just telling you, you're spinning your wheels. Pray for them, but distance from them. Because they're holding you back. There's nothing wrong with that. It's okay. Some of us right now have not reached the full potential that God wants in our lives because we're consumed with a relationship that he doesn't even want us in. I mean, I've wasted, I've, I look back, and me and Sarah have talked about this a little bit. I look back, and I wasted time running after people that want, and, and I listen, I believe that God goes and finds the one, and I'm going, but eventually God's got to be the one that brings him back. I've got where I don't beg people to come to church. You know why? Because if they're, Christians come to church, can focus so much on, the, is everybody tracking me here? Listen, if God's giving you those, man, cherish them and love them. And maybe you're here this morning, I, I don't have no friends, nobody loves me. You know, here's the last one. I, this is the, this, here's the best one. There's been times, anybody else ever just felt alone before? Huh? How many of you all felt alone? Raise your hand. It's okay. 
put them down. I have. I've felt that way before. Man, I have, and I have to realize something. At the end of the day, thirdly, if I have no friends, <laughs> there's a friend this morning that sticketh closer than a brother. Help me out, Matt. Listen, there is one, y'all listen to me, that will never leave you and that will never forsake you. I'm just here to tell you this morning, there, you may have a family member that deserts you. You may have a friend that betrays you. You may have a Demas that walks out of your life. You may have, is anybody awake? You may have a Judas that stabs you in the back. But I'm glad to report to you this morning, there's one will never leave you. There's one that never will forsake you. And it's about time we start realizing that we're living. Listen, we're not even living for each other. Guess who we're living for? We're living for him this morning. When I have nobody else in the world to talk to, y'all listen to me. When I feel, and I'm telling you as a pastor, there's times I have nobody to talk to. But you know who I can always turn to? I can always talk, turn to him. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 7. Cast all your cares upon him. Why? Y'all listen to me, church, and look at me. He cares for you. When nobody else in the world cares for you, I'm thankful this morning that Jesus does. Hey, I'm thankful. You think the church gave two rips about a terrorist walking down that road as carrying out those papers? Man, they were running from him. But what did God? God was after him. God loved him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you. God wants a relationship with you. And if you're here this morning, can I just say some of us just need to get over our pity party. Some of us need to get over ourselves and decide if nobody else is my friend. I've got one up there that's my friend. I'm going to spend time with talk to him. I'm going to love him. So I have some friends. like I, it, it, You know, what is a great relationship built? If, it, it's built on communication. If I never talk to my wife, what kind of relationship is that going to be? She's saying, well, if I never talk to my wife, seriously, if I get home from the office every day and I just go hide in the closet and we never talk, there's no relationship because a relationship is built on communication. If you never talk to him, what kind of relationship is it? I mean, are you spending time with him? Man, are you loving him? Are you, are you serving for him? I found, just like Paul found, just like Jesus, if we'll get in there and we'll serve the Lord and we'll do what he wants us to do and we're spending time with God, he's going to, here's the thing, he's going to put the people in our lives who need to be there. I mean, we're going to have some healthy relationships. We're going to have some people that encourage us. We're going to have some people, man, that help lift that burden. We're going to have some people that pray for us. We're going to have some people, man, that get behind us. Listen, he's a friend this morning that's taking closer than breath never trusted him can I just tell you this man today before you leave grab one of our counselors at the end of the service we'd love to take a bible and show you how you can know for sure that heaven's your home listen maybe you're here and you haven't been the kind of friend you should be I think some of us probably need to repent in that way sometimes maybe you're here this morning and I know this is Sunday morning crowd and nobody would struggle like this but maybe you're in here and you're the town gossip maybe you need to repent today Maybe you, there's a friend that you know that you, you need to forgive and you need to get past it and you need to give it over to the Lord this morning. I want to encourage you today in your seat or at the altar, give that to God this morning. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's stand to our feet as Matt sings. Altar's open.